the Yeah We Know podcast. It has something for everyone. I just don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't I don't get it yet. Read your history books, Chris. You're older than all of us on this podcast. Dudes always get squashed in their hometown. That's the way it goes down in professional wrestling. Edge is from Ottawa and he got his ass handed to him last night on Raw. I mean, it feels like there's this inside thing that I'm just not aware of or understand. That is a perfect day one WrestleMania opening match. The Yeah We Know podcast. Three guys who can't wrestle, who can talk in their basements. Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Welcome to the flagship sports podcast of the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. It's Balls and Brew. I am not Rod Morgan. I am Jimmy. Rod and Kate are on a cruise right now. You may hear from him a little while later. But listen, our man from North Carolina is always here. He's not on a cruise. He is in a hotel room, though, so that's kind of nice. Chris King, how are you today? You know, you know, you know who the talent is on this podcast when when someone's out on a cruise, on a vacation, and then some of us are in a hotel for work and just have to keep on trudging along. Yeah, Williams, uh, who is here as well. Don't you feel like we're we're like the New Year's Day crew on ESPN? We got to work, uh, and we're nobodies right now. Is that what what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I do feel like that, man. But. Uh... Shouts to Rod. Hopefully he's having a good uh, a good time on the cruise there. Uh, yeah, man. Let's uh, let's talk about some uh, some Final Four NCA stuff here. All right. So everyone's brackets uh, were pretty much it was pretty much chalk all the way through with San Diego State and Florida Atlantic in one side and Miami and UConn on the next. I want to talk real quick about that ending uh, to the Creighton San Diego State game. What an absolute unmitigated disaster that was. Um, so many different things. I couldn't believe it, especially since the last 0.3 seconds took about 12 minutes to go through. Oh, you won. No, you didn't. Oh yeah, you did win. Uh, Williams, how, how talk to me about that last, uh, last 1.3 seconds. Okay. So I think that it was a foul, but they hadn't been calling that at all. Like the whole game. Like if you watch the first half of that game, it was like a football match between San Diego state and Creighton. And so I think you have to let that call go there, but man, what a, what a tough way for Creighton to lose that game. I mean, Creighton had never been past the sweet 16. San Diego state had never made it past the sweet 16. I don't think there's been a mountain West team that has made it to the elite eight. So both those teams were kind of Cinderella's. You hate to, you hate to see a, a, kind of the refs step in and, and make the call there. That was disappointing, but uh, Creighton, man. Uh, and it, what's ironic about that, about that call, Creighton this year, second least amount of fouls called against them because that's some of what McDermott's strategy is. He knows that he has no bench. All the, Those five starters play over 30 minutes per game, so they're, they're trained not to foul. They're kind of the old-school Bo Ryan Wisconsin teams where they, they never fouled. Uh, so that is really ironic that <laughs> they they miss out on a chance of Final Four because of a, a late foul call with one second left. So, yeah, it was kind of brutal. Well, they should have never been in that position to begin with. The San, Die- uh, the San Diego State player throws the ball basically in his own rim to the Creighton guy. Chris, I, I, I flipped out. I said, no, 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 what are you, what are you doing? Chris, help me. Why would he do that? And I have no idea. to be honest i have no idea i do i will say this you're you're right that creighton should have never been in that position i don't think that you can 
put the blame on the refs for their loss, though. I get that they haven't been calling. Coach did. The coach surely did. I get that you haven't been calling those fouls consistently all game. However, what is worse for a ref to not call a foul when a foul has been perpetrated or to call a foul when there is a foul perpetrated? We get so mad at referees in so many different sports for missing obvious calls and blowing calls. If there's a foul, call the foul. If you miss it, that's one thing, but like, it's a foul. If Creighton okay. had did more earlier in the game, there I mean, there's more than one possession will determine the outcome of a game. So you yeah, can't but, just... but that possession did that possession did determine the outcome of the game, though. It did. That was huge. It, it was it was a big deal. I get it. It was huge, but it was a foul. You can't okay. get away from the fact that a foul was perpetrated. If you're, you're if, right. if if you're a San Diego State fan and they don't call that foul, and he misses it because he was fouled, you're even more upset than a Creighton fan. Okay. Not true. All right, so here we go. This is Williams. This is his bread and butter. He loves this stuff. A fifth seed against the ninth seed to go to the final game, the championship game. It can't get any better than this. Williams, give us some information. What are we doing? What are we betting? Who's going to win? Talk to me. (laughs) Uh, first of all, there, there's there's some fun stats here. This is the first time since 1970 that we have three first-time participants in the same Final Four, everybody but UConn, obviously. And this is the first Final Four without any top three seeds in it, only the fourth Final Four without a one seed. Uh, those are 1980, 2006, 2011, and 2023 this year. Uh, fun fact, 2011, you know who won it that year was UConn over Butler. Uh, since they started seeding the current format in 1979, this is the first Final Four without any McDonald's All-Americans in it. Wow. None? Uh, that, none. This side note, there's the McDonald's All-American game going on uh, right now. So, yeah, this is the second highest seed count ever that made it to the Final Four. We'll revert back to that 2011 Final Four. That was the highest, or the seed count total 26. Uh, there was a four seed Kentucky, three seed UConn, eleven seed VCU, and eight seed Butler. And uh, get this: a better back in December at the Westgate took Florida Atlantic at four hundred to one to make what? the Final Four for five hundred dollars. Hello, two hundred K. Can you what? believe that? That is <laughs> insane. And you, there can't be cheating because seriously, like how? If I so, ever have enough money to put how much four hundred dollars down? You said. He put five hundred dollars down at four at, at four hundred to one to make the final four. Like I'm surprised they even offered that. It, it, was, it was at the Westgate. Uh, so a lot of this, these times where you see like I'll take this team to win the championship. Actually, the better thing to do is to take them to, to make it the final four. Yeah. Or if, or if we're talking like you know NFL to win the conference, uh, you're you know you're not going to get as good odds. But it's so tough winning. Like for Florida Atlantic, it's so tough. It's it's going to be so tough to win six games. I mean, they could win four games. And when we uh, saw that bracket, we knew that the east side, that east that east region was so weak, and that I thought possibly the winner of Memphis and Florida Atlantic was could have a decent chance to make the Final Four. And that's exactly what happened. Memphis, remember, Memphis in that game was leading by one point with six seconds left, and they had the ball. They lost in regulation to Florida Atlantic. So it's very easily we could see Memphis here in the Final Four. And I'll shout out that the Conference USA this year and the three tournaments 
are 16 and one. That's where Florida Atlantic resides in. Uh, North Texas is in the finals in the NIT, and UAB is in the semifinals. If they win tonight, they'll be in the finals. And Charlotte won the CBI. So those teams from the Conference USA are absolutely killing it in these three tournaments so far. So uh, yeah, just just some fun facts there. Some people want NCAA Final Four. No, no, no. You get the NIT and the CBI. College Basketball Invitational, I believe, Chris. Is that correct? That is correct. Look at me learning things. Chris, in this matchup between San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, who do you think comes out on top? Who's going to go to the championship here? Um, This is tough because San Diego, you don't know either team. San Diego State can play <laughs> defense, and they're really good at three-point defense. Teams that have been playing against them in the turning up shot like around 25 27% from three. Florida Atlantic gets 88% of their shots per game from either the three-point line or at the rim. That's where their bread and butter is. That's like top 10 in college basketball. I really think Florida Atlantic is built to be able to beat anybody on any night. I just don't know if they can handle the defense from San Diego State. I'm tempted. I'm tempted to still go with Florida Atlantic, though. I think they come out on top. Okay, I would give my prediction, but last week when I gave my Final Four prediction, I literally picked every single game wrong. It, I, I, unprecedented. 400 to 1 odds, give me that, okay, for this. I'm going to go Florida Atlantic too, so sorry, Chris. Uh, Mr. Williams, who you got? Yeah, this is, this is definitely tough. I think it's going to be slow tempo. Uh, San Diego State, fantastic defensively, like Chris said. They've allowed uh, Creighton and Alabama, two of the best shooting teams in the country, to combine for five three-pointers made in their last two games. Uh, Florida Atlantic does shoot it well from three-point range, but what's what's crazy is that they haven't really shot it that well so far this tournament. So they are uh, over-exceeding there in, in, that, uh, in that degree. They have a super deep bench, too. I think this is a low-scoring game. Actually, the one bet that I really like of this Final Four is the first half under in this game. You have to remember, they're playing in a football stadium in Houston, the big dome. It's going to be a different background. These teams these teams are super underdogs to begin with. They're playing each other, so there's going to be nerves right off the bat. I like the under 61. Uh, you can find that, I believe, on DraftKings or pretty much all around. First half number there. Um, but yeah, Florida Atlantic, 12-plus offensive rebounds in each of their tourney games this year. They're averaging 15 offensive rebounds a game in the tourney. If you're going to be playing in a low possession game and both these teams are outside the top 125 in pace, it's a big advantage when you can get second chances. Uh, and San Diego State's offense is the third worst offense to make the, the the final four in the 20 years of the Ken Palm era. So that's, that's wild, man. <laughs> so their offense is not very good. I think Florida Atlantic's defense is a little underrated. I know San Diego State's favorite here. But I'm going to go with my heart with Dusty May, the IU team manager from the late 90s. I'm going to go Florida Atlantic, pulls off another upset, and we're wow, going to have a championship game. Championship Speaking game of Butler on Monday. From a few years ago. Okay. Yep. I like that. Now, let's go to some more traditional powerhouses. Well, schools you've heard of before. Let's say that. Okay. We've got UConn and Miami on the other side of the bracket, the 4 5 matchup. Uh, obviously, um, this has been a, a little tougher road to get to this point. Williams, give me some stats on UConn, Miami, and then Chris, we're going to go to you to see uh, who you're going to pick here, bud. Yeah, I mean, Miami's lucky to be here. They could have easily lost the first first uh, round game to Drake. They were down 
uh, by eight points to Drake with five minutes to go, and they had scored 47 points up until that point. Uh, then they went on like a 16-1 to run to end that, and then they rolled through Indiana, scored 90 on Houston, which is the best defensive team in the country, uh, and, and then came back on Texas with a very impressive win there. They have three awesome guards, Wong, Nigel Pack, and Justin Miller. Uh, Nigel Pack is actually from Indianapolis, uh, Lawrence Central. Um, so that's a, that's another Indiana tie there. Um, man, it's, it's tough. Larinaga, Larinaga has now taken George Mason and Miami, uh, two basketball powerhouses, right? To the final four. <laughs> Larinaga, what a job there. But UConn, man, I said <laughs> on the, on the first pod here, I was like, UConn doesn't have it in them <laughs> to win the national championship. I may have been hedging because I took UConn in November when they were just killing everybody. Cause I love the talent at 30 to one to win the national championship. But I thought that I thought that ticket was dead uh, in the middle of the year because they had lost like six out of 10 in, in conference. But the conference team scouted UConn very well. They, they put pressure on their guards. That's one weakness that UConn has is their, is their, uh, they don't handle the, the pressure, the ball pressure very well. But Miami here, you talk about San Diego State having the third worst offense in the, in the Ken Palm era in the last 20 years. Miami came in with the third worst defense ever in the uh, last 20 years in the Ken Palm era. So I just think UConn has too many shooters. Uh, they have too much down low. Uh, Miami's super gritty, though. What worries me about taking UConn here is UConn's blown out everybody. What do they do in a close game? That's what I was worried about originally with Dan Hurley. Miami, all they do is play in close games. So this this one's kind of tough. I wouldn't lay the points here with UConn. I, I'm hoping that UConn wins this <laughs> for my 30-1 to 1 ticket. <laughs> but uh, this is a tough game for UConn here. What, uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Listen, these this game should be the polar opposite of that Florida Atlantic-San Diego State game, okay? UConn has averaged 81 81- – over 81 points a game in the tournament so far. Miami's scored on average 87 points a game in the comp- uh, in the tournament so far. If I was going to place a bet, I'd place a bet on the over, which is 149. I'd see it going higher than that. Um, I have already always preached you need strong guard play to win in the tourney. I have to go with Miami. I think they have better guards than UConn. We all know that even if Miami is down big late, they're not out of the game. And like William said, it's going to be interesting to see what UConn does and how they handle a close game down towards the end of that second half. For that, I'm going to Miami. I had a feeling you'd be contrary on the, on this one. I don't know why. I just did. So you've got Miami and Florida Atlantic in the championship game. Right now, who you got? I think I think it's still go Miami. Okay, so you have Miami as the champion. Williams and I have Florida Atlantic and UConn in the championship game. Williams wants UConn to win for sure. So you know what I'm going to do, Williams? Just for you, this is for you, my brother, because I feel a lot smarter when I when I hear you. I'm going Florida Atlantic as the national champions. That's what I'm doing, just for you. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I will. I will totally jinx myself here and say that whoever wins that right side of the bracket game on on Saturday between UConn and Miami, I think they have the leg up to win the national championship. Uh, just too much talent. But I mean, it's not. It, this isn't like college football where you know a team gets in 
is the four seed, and they're like a 21-and-a-half-point underdog to Georgia yeah, or Alabama. Right. Like, Florida Atlantic is a two-point underdog. Like, I, can you believe that? They're in the final. Like, One they, game. they can legitimately win this. Like, I didn't think that VCU could – could really win it once they got there in 2011. I didn't really think George Mason could win it in 2006. Uh, Florida Atlantic can actually win this whole thing, man. They are super deep. They are really, really well coached. They're balanced. Uh, they're just a really fun team to watch, man. So uh, it's it's going to be wild. It's going to be a great Final Four. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens on Monday night. It's going to be a lot of fun for sure. That does it for. The final four coverage. Williams, I just want to say, I I feel a lot smarter every time you talk. I love it. I appreciate that so much. (laughs) Chris, I like to hear you talk too. Uh, (laughs) No, Chris, you actually had a lot of of really good insight uh, to back up Williams, and I appreciate that. So let's get into some NFL news because I think last time I checked as I uh, hit my microphone, I'm so upset. Uh, we have a pretty big NFL story going on right now. Last week, we didn't talk about it because it was just kind of on the outskirts. But now it's official. Lamar Jackson has requested a trade. He said he actually requested it on March 2nd, but it's just coming out now. He's done with the Ravens. The Ravens don't seem to want to be done with him. But everyone is coming out and saying, well, the Deshaun Watson contract is something different. Yeah, it's a lot different. He's allegedly, which we need to say, a dirtball. Um, and Lamar Jackson is just someone who's been hurt a little bit. Lamar Jackson is on the trade market. There are some teams that need quarterbacks. I'm going to go to Williams with this one first because I know Chris is very passionate and I want to hear him second. Why, are, why aren't teams not knocking down the door for Lamar Jackson? Are they that... Let's go back. Deshaun Watson had at least three suitors that were going to give up the world for him. Right now, it doesn't seem like Lamar Jackson has anybody. Are they that concerned about the injury history, Williams? Well, I I think they don't want to give him that that contract that Watson got. So I mean, the the Browns have totally messed this whole thing up <laughs> with the Deshaun yeah, Watson money. Yeah, but like you think about like all the quarterbacks that have gotten recent money like Lamar's better than all of them like Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray and it's not even really close not I even mean, close with the Murray especially not even close it's yeah. not even close and Lamar Jones. is yeah Dan- <laughs> Danny Dimes they wanted to run Danny Dimes out of the Lee or out of New York and then Brian Dayball stepped in and uh you know had a great year with him so I mean, Lamar has had no weapons to work with. You're talking about, I'm talking about the wide receiver room has been one of the worst since he's been there. Uh, He's 49 and 21 as a starter, man. Like this isn't some guy that's like barely over 500. And I mean, and and he's, he's been on, I know he's been injury prone, but he's been on the field more than Deshaun Watson has in the last, you know, two or three years. And when Deshaun Watson came back last year, he, he, he did not light things up at all. So um, it's almost like collusion that right now with the owners. So it's like, w- which owner is going to step out first and, you know, <laughs> give him the money. And Lamar says that he doesn't, he doesn't even want the guaranteed money, uh, all of it. So they got to come to an agreement here. And if, if you can get something like f- friendly, I know the Mahomes deal is like, he, he, he got a ton, ton of money, but like it was actually team friendly. And I know Lamar's, I'm not saying Lamar's as good as Mahomes. I'm just, all I'm saying is if you can come to an agreement with, how much he should get paid and a team friendly deal. I don't know why you wouldn't take a a shot with this guy. I mean, this guy's a former MVP at 26 years old. I mean, what are we talking about here? 
All right, Chris King. Talk to me about Lamar Jackson. Why do you want him on your team? And yes, there are two things we can do because Rod isn't here. <laughs> we can talk Lamar Jackson and the Colts, and we can say the word baseball and not get yelled at for it. So that's kind of cool. Right. We, Chris we, King, what do you think? We could talk about the World Baseball Classic. That, that, that was pretty good. But we'll stick with Lamar Jackson and the Indianapolis Colts because our guy Ballard said anytime a very special, special player like Lamar is available, you have to take a long, strong look at it and keep everything on the table, which, which is great. This is what I've wanted to hear for over a month now, essentially. Like, we all knew this was coming. We all knew this was a possibility that Lamar may leave the Ravens, especially if if they gave him the franchise tag that they did. So why wouldn't these teams be thinking, why take a risk on an unknown in the draft when we can get this former MVP who's 26? and still young. So, like, you have... 10 to 12 years probably of a top quality quarterback who's definitely in the top half of the league, no matter what metric you use. And he has, you have 10 to 12. Do you have 10 to 12 years of someone who's been hurt a lot though? That's the question. I mean, mean, let's say you have five years. People, let's just say you have five years. People say he's been hurt a lot, but he's been playing in double digit games almost every year, whether he's fighting through injury or not. Like even, even you're still getting 10 to 12 games more or less with him every year, even when he's dealing with injuries and the years that he's not dealing with injuries, the Ravens win their division, go into the playoffs, and usually have at least one game of success in the playoffs, which is much better than what my team, the Cowboys, have been able to do with a good quarterback. So if if the Colts are serious about shoring up that position, go for it. And it may not be as team-friendly as what Patrick Mahomes got, but Patrick Mahomes got an extension while he was still on the team that signed him from his rookie deal. You know, Baltimore probably could have got a much better team-friendly contract if they would have gave him an extension last year or or right before Deshaun Watson signed his deal. They wouldn't be in this situation. Okay, so let's take a look right now. Salary cap and teams, okay? The Bears right now have $38 million. They have their quarterback. They're not going to go after uh, Lamar Jackson. That's pretty easy there. The Panthers just traded up to number one. They have $27 million. They're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. Detroit Lions, is that a team that Lamar Jackson could go to for $23 million? If you're Detroit, would you try to get Goff out, out and bring in Lamar? Williams, what do you think? I mean, that's a possibility. I, to me, the, the team that makes the most sense is Atlanta. I mean, they're million in a, under the cap. They're in a winnable division for the foreseeable future. Brady and Sean Payton are gone. Carolina's drafting a rookie quarterback. You're playing a minimum of 11 games either indoors or in warm weather. You have an owner that wants to win. Lamar is from the South. You've got a generational talent at tight end at Kyle Pitts. Hello, Lamar loves throwing to tight ends. And you got Drake London, who's an up-and-coming wide receiver. To me, Wait, Atlanta makes the most does sense. Does Lamar man. really love throwing to tight ends, or is that just because that's who the best receiver he's had has been? <laughs> <laughs> or did he make him the best receiver? Yeah. I mean, oh, yes, you're correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, I'd have to go out on a limb and say that he would love to throw to Kyle Pitts. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, I mean, t- to me, all the signs point to Atlanta being the, you know, the best team. And why wouldn't you want to go to the NFC if you're Lamar? The, the top six or seven quarterbacks in the league right now are all in the AFC. 
I mean, you can maybe throw Jalen Hurts in there. I'd probably have to see it one more year. But, eh. um, but yeah, I mean, the, the AFC is loaded, especially if, if Rodgers eventually goes to the Jets like we think he's going to. So, I mean, Lamar to the NFC makes all the sense in the world. Atlanta me. did especially just name indoors, Chris. Atlanta just named Ritter their starting quarterback. Like, that's. Like I get, like yeah. that's you can take that with a you grain of salt. Him on the Colts, dude. You, you can you can say that with a grain of salt, but like, why else would they come out now and say Ritter's our starting quarterback if they're making a commitment to him and then they're not going after another quarterback? I mean, part of this part of this may be ownership collusion because we've really only seen one team come out and say that they're going to look into getting Lamar, and that's the Colts. Yeah. I, everybody else has said no. We're not interested. No, we're not interested. Which is just so dumb. Why you can say you're interested and still not go for it, but like to say you're not interested is the is the dumbest thing a GM or an owner could do when you have a MVP winning quarterback in his mid twenties ready to move on to a new team. That's just dumb. Of course, you should be interested. And we know Ballard is kind of on the hot seat, so I think he wants to like go for it. And you know, Ursay, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's in Wild Wild West, so he doesn't really care about the other owners. So it, t- it kind of makes sense why the Colts are kind of the outlier here. But uh, maybe they didn't get the memo. But maybe Ursay just doesn't care. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, if you're the Colts, do you wait until after this year's draft to go the next two number one picks, or do you give up four? I, I, I don't give up four right now, I don't think. Do you, Chris? Or do you say, screw it, give up four in next year's one? Uh, yeah, I think I think you swap picks this year with Baltimore. Uh, you give up next year's one and then see what how close you are then. I don't think you give up any more first-rounders than that. I think it's – Well, it's two, it's going to be two. Yeah. I think is what, what it is. But, like, I don't, be, I don't have least. a problem with that. I don't have a problem with them swapping first picks this year. All right, Williams, what do you think? Would you give up four if you're the Colts? Well, I mean, I don't want to be bidding against myself is the thing. And exactly. I think that I don't honestly, man, if you take a step back, why aren't the Jets involved here? Like, why would you call them and just say, hey, we got this this other team that's not going to take a a third round pick for their quarterback. Why don't Lamar come on over? And Joe Douglas just came out. It's like, well, that that would be disingenuous to, uh, you know, our contract or our negotiations with our negotiations with Rogers is like Rogers is 38 years old, man. Lamar is 26. Like I, if I was the jets, like if the jets get Lamar, they're legit Super Bowl contenders in my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, 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 this feels like ownership collusion here to me. The bears should have probably traded that number one pick to the Ravens oh, and Justin up. Fields in there and give the Ravens, Justin Fields and they take Lamar. That would have been an upgrade. Justin Fields is a saint. <laughs> And with that, that is going to do it for Balls and Brew. Coming up next, we've got the fastest 15 minutes in the NBA.
Welcome to the fastest 15 minutes in the NBA. It is the NBA Fast Break on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. It's Jimmy. It's Chris. It's Williams. He's going to stay on because this 15 minutes is probably going to go a little faster than 15 minutes today. We're going to start off with our Sacramento Kings, who, Chris, are in third place in the West with like seven games to go and still haven't clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. They're six and four in their last 10. What's going on? That's because they're technically only like, I guess, seven or eight games over what is in the 11th place right now because the West is so kind of crazy. If they would have won last night against Minnesota, they would have clinched, and they really wanted to in front of their home crowd. They're going to have to do it later this week against Portland. That's all right. It's it's right. They're going to make the playoffs. They just haven't clinched it yet, and it's a big deal. The longest-running professional sports team drought for playoffs in – and going on right now, so it's a big deal. And it's our Sacramento Kings, and they're continuing to prove that they belong in the discussion as one of the best teams in the West. It has been a, a huge just cluster of everybody getting hurt, um, people not playing, people getting technicals rescinded, lots of stuff going on. Oh, speaking about technicals, what's that? Do I hear ocean? It's the Rod Nation of the week. But I do believe we should all follow one path in life. And if Kyrie Irving says we should do something, go the other way. Hello. Welcome to a very special edition of Rod Nation happening on the beach in Jamaica. That's right. That's why you didn't hear me at the beginning of the podcast. Jimmy and crew is taking care of it this week. Hopefully you're enjoying that. I'm enjoying myself on the beach, but I still have responsibilities. Rod Nation, let's go. Of course. Rod Nation this week has to be the Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban, you fancy yourself smarter than everybody else, and you traded for Kyrie Irving, and now you're reaping what you sow, my friend. Kyrie's track record speaks for itself, but you thought you could bring him to Dallas and things would be different, and now you're probably going to miss the playoffs. You're going to anger your franchise superstar. You're going to lose Kyrie for nothing, and oh yeah, by the way, Not making the playoffs means you're going to have to send a lottery pick to the New York Knicks for Christoph Porzingis, who's no longer even on your team. Terrible, terrible days for the Dallas Mavericks right now. They absolutely earned Rod Domination with a bullet. I'm here in Jamaica. I'm going to wrap it up. Go back to having a good time. You guys enjoy the podcast. I'll be back with you real soon. Take care. Shocking that Rod had something negative to say about a team that Kyrie Irving is on. Who knew? I hope he and the Mrs. Morgan you know, are enjoying themselves. I'm not going to lie. This one ain't Kyrie's fault, though. I'm sorry. This is just a train wreck beyond uh, all recognition. And Luca is going to look great in a New York Knicks jersey next year. It's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm going to love it. Um, we do have a, a stranger to this portion of the episode. Uh, Williams is here still because he's got some cool stats he wants to throw at us. Uh, Josh, what do you have? Well, just talking about how open the West was and not going all the way with your future bets because we we kind of know the East has the best team in the in, in the league right now in Milwaukee, but you can still you can still get Sacktown, your Sacramento Kings at twenty to one to win the West if you feel like they have, you know, the the offense to do that. I know their defense isn't that great, but uh, just just throwing that out there, man. Just just throwing that out there with with Sacramento. I'll put two uh, bucks down. I'm fine with that. <laughs> also, I have uh, something to say about the MVP uh, race here. This might lead us into. I take my rightful place at the head of the table. Believe that. 
Well, let's, let's talk about the MVP table right now. Now, Williams, I know that you uh, you do listen. You actually do listen to every show, but we'll uh, review the MVP table from last week and see if anything's changed. And you'll get us some stats here. Joel Embiid, who apparently is scared to face Jokic. Uh, <laughs> uh, he did not play against Jokic, but Joel Embiid was the head of the table, has been the head of the table for a while. Uh, Jokic, Giannis. Sabonis from our Sacramento Kings and SGA were at the table. Chris King, anything changed for you? No, no. I still like having SGA and Sabonis there. Um, even though Embiid did not play against Jokic the other night, he did. they did go head-to-head earlier in the season, and Embiid definitely won that matchup. He also has a winning record against Giannis right now. they got to play one more game, but he's up two games to one. So Embiid's still the head of the table for me. I mean, not only is his points per game better than everybody else's, but like he's still the better defender of the other two guys that are near the top. So as far as a two-way player, Embiid's better. That's still why he's the head of the table. All right, I agree with you. Williams, what stats do you have for us that are going to change our minds probably? Okay, so I don't think Rod is going to like this at all. Here is a stat that you may not know. Joel Embiid has been in the league since 2014. He's played in Denver two times. Two times. God, I love you. Oh, man. Oh, it's man. Been like five years everyone, since he's played there too, right? Everyone who has Embiid future MVP tickets, I'm telling you, this, this year threw up in their mouth after what transpired on Monday night. I think this is huge. You have to you have to play in that game if you're Embiid and you want to win the MVP. And then Joker goes out, messes around, and gets a triple-double by the third quarter. And then Kendrick Perkins goes on there and just oh, roasts them. Easy. Easy. I'm telling you, Kendrick Perkins has a vote. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the voters think. And I'm telling you, he he put him out on blast. He doesn't want that smoke, he said. And he said uh, he's going to remember that. And the, the the straw poll here still has – I don't think the actual voters have as much fatigue on Joker as what some of the fans do with him winning a possible third straight MVP. Um, and you can see it in the in the lines here. He's already on Caesars. Joker's already went to, to minus money. Uh, he's now tied with Embiid, minus 115. Uh, you could still get him – I believe at plus one ten on FanDuel for uh, t- for Joker to win the MVP. Denver's kind of turned around here lately. I'm telling you, man, MB not playing in that game was massive. Uh, it was a massive hit to his MVP uh, season or what he's you know, trying final, to get his MVP season. The final Tim Bontemps straw poll. I I love everything about it. I know people are like oh, but it's it's usually right because uh, he does take a poll of most people that he thinks have votes. I love that. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, does it really matter that much to you, Chris, that MB didn't play in this game? Because, you know, if he wanted to, no one's going to stop him. Yeah, from no, that didn't that didn't bother me. Like, he has been much better, especially these last three years, as far as being healthy throughout the season. He he knows that that the MVP would be nice, but it's really about how Philadelphia does in the postseason, which is going to cement his legacy in the NBA as either a great or just a good good star. I mean, and that's really what Philadelphia needs. They need to go. They need to make a deep run, finally, throughout the whole 
process or whatever has been going on for the past 10 years there, they need to finally make that deep run. I do think the process was one. draft. (laughs) I do think that, that even though that he missed that game, the fact that he did play the other game and outplayed Jokic, I think that still makes a big deal. I don't think that, that Jokic is as important to his team right now as Embiid is. Uh, we have seen Jokic continue to put up numbers, but they haven't been as successful lately. Um, so I think that hurts Jokic more than it hurts Embiid not playing against Jokic. What if we have an NBA Finals where it's Sixers and Nuggets and Embiid has to play in Denver three times in like a week? <laughs> He might not make it, but you know what? We'll make it. Last week we had the 76ers, the Kings, the Kings or the Queens, whatever. The Bucks were the Prince and the Warriors were the Jester. Uh, the Warriors have actually kind of come back a little bit. They're five and five in their last 10. The uh, Red Hot Grizzlies and John Morant are nine and one. Are they going to make it? How about those Cavs at eight and two? Who do we have, Chris, on this week's Kings Hardwood? We've hierarchy? always said about the Hardwood hierarchy, it's about what have you done for me lately? You need to be hot right now. And I know Memphis has been the jester recently a few weeks ago, but what? they are the Kings right now. You go nine and one over the last Whoa. 10, they have turned things around. They have solidified themselves as the number two seed for the most part. They are playing very well. Um, Jackson. Jaws not playing when we record this, though. Shocking, because I've got him in my lineup for the <laughs> playoffs. But anyway, I mean, go ahead. You have a guy like like Jackson, you know, manning the middle of that defense for Memphis, and he's out there getting over four stocks a game, which is one more than anybody else in the league. It, it, it's it's a phenomenal team that they've built, even though they've had these issues with Ja, especially lately in the month of March. These are still quality players on a quality team, and they're still able to get things done. I. I've been impressed with how they've turned things around so quickly. And so I got to give them the, the throne. That's awesome. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Williams, you got anything to talk about the Grizzlies? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Yeah. I don't have anything on, on on Memphis here right now, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, I actually, the Joker is now the favorite on MGM and getting back to that circling back. Yeah. Hey, hadn't had one of those. So, yeah. Joker is the favorite now. I wonder if someone has some insight in that straw poll coming out. Huh. Yeah. Or is, does um, Kendrick Perkins, all joking aside, does he really hold that much weight? I think it's what you said earlier, the Bontems. I mean, like that straw poll is is pretty accurate, and I don't know. I the, the way I see it, the way I see the odds going, I would I would jump on FanDuel right now because that's that's the, your best odds at getting Joker at plus money. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of jokers, let's go to the queen of the king's harvard hierarchy who's the i'm, I'm gonna give it to cleveland all right cleveland's cleveland's eight. oh okay look at me look at right? me I didn't even try. I, you I'm are good I you am are good mobley had a huge game tonight um I, I what i'll say about cleveland is i think they have they're playing great right now they've won eight of the last 10 i know it hasn't been against the toughest competition but you're still winning 80 percent in your games right now and that's why they clinched already in the East, which is definitely the tougher division. Um, 
they have surprised just about everybody this year. A lot of people weren't were thinking if they anything they're getting to the playoff game, maybe that's it. But they have solidified themselves in that top half of the East. And they've been there for a long time, and and they're still winning. It's a really really good team in Cleveland. I'm going to give them the Queen. Quietly, really having a solid year. First time they've made the playoffs without LeBron James. This is a Williams stat for you. Since 1998. Oh, I was wow. in high school. Williams, you were in high school. Where were you, Chris? Uh, I think collecting Social Security checks somewhere in Boca Raton. Nice. Love it. All right. <laughs> we got the Florida Atlantic. Oh, he founded Florida Atlantic, actually. All right, Chris, who's the prince? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Milwaukee. They've won seven out of the last ten. They're still – they've solidified themselves. They're the best team in the East. Now they've continued to win uh, while Boston has had some up and downs lately. Um, it's tough to bet against Milwaukee coming out of the East. They're going to be the prince. All right, and finally, the Jester. Uh, there were uh, quite a few teams that we probably could. <laughs> There's a lot. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's the it's the San Antonio, Houston, <laughs> Memorial, Charlotte Jesters of the week. Detroit. I mean, might as well throw Detroit in there. Detroit's in, involved. Um, so we're going to go. I know they've won their last two games, but Phoenix has been on a dive lately, all right? They went out and got Kevin Durant for this late-season push, and he hasn't been able to play, and they haven't been able to win with any kind of consistency, and they keep falling down. I know they're fourth in in the West right now, but it's not necessarily because they're playing so well. It's because no one's playing that much better below them. Um, they keep playing like this. They're not going to get out of that first round of the playoffs. And that is your gesture. One thing before we go, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Coach Greg Popovich are among finalists selected into the Hall of Fame. Pau Gasol and Tony Parker as well. And WNBA legend Becky Hammond have also been voted the Hall of Fame. So really strong Hall of Fame class this year. Bunch of big names. Uh, for everyone actually is a huge name there, so that's kind of cool. It's, uh, it's pretty neat. What was the over-under on Becky Hammond? That's <laughs> probably like 100%, right? Oh, man. Yeah, she's a staple. <laughs> All right, so coming up on the Morgan, you know, we're going to have a huge WWE WrestleMania review coming up next week. You heard the preview here on this channel, uh, I believe, yesterday is, uh, is when you're listening to this. And uh, we've got some uh, additional NBA picks coming up next week on the Fast Break. We are going to give our MVP vote. We're also going to give our all-NBA team, so that'll be pretty exciting. Williams, you're going to join us next week for a recap of the tournament and then uh, you know, talk about other stuff. Possibly. this, uh, you know, if we, go, if we go next Tuesday night, that could possibly be a Masters preview also. So depending on if, uh, if our boy Roberts comes on or not, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll uh, see what happens there. Yeah. Chris King, anything to plug before we head out of here? Um, I know you guys all out there listen to the Morgan You Know. I'm just going to reiterate, you all need to go watch Cocaine Bear, Violent Night, and Poker Face. You know what? You do. I, I started watching Poker Face. I, I didn't, you know, editing that episode, I had to be very careful because I didn't want any spoilers. That's a really solid show. If you haven't watched Poker Face, it's really, really cool. I love that show. 
And with that, that's going to do it for Fast Break on the Morgan Hill Podcasting Network. Goodbye, Internet.